everybody. Welcome to today and welcome to Death Valley Girls podcast. I'm Bonnie and I talk to heroes about what excites them and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. This week's hero is Eel Eye. He's an artist and basically he's an artist that just seeks the mysteries of the universe. He grew up in the desert and saw a ton of interesting things. Uh, we talk about that and we talk about growing up believing in everything and uh, a lot about perspective. Um, I'm super into his process. He works so hard. He works every day, and there's so much to learn from him. Uh, please go to his Instagram page, Eel I Art, E E L E Y E A R T. Um, I'll link that below. But now, please welcome to your head and heart, Eel I. <laughs> um, got it. Okay. Hi, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's an honor. <laughs> cool. Well, um, just in case you didn't know um, that this is a heroes podcast and I talk to heroes about what excites them, because I think if you talk to anyone or not anyone, sorry, if you talk to most people about what excites them and what got them started doing what they do, it's pretty heroic. Um and uh, so I am a huge fan of your artwork. And oh, I thank think you so much. Yeah, I love the content. Um, I, I love a lot of things. I love your color usage. Um, uh, but I'm a huge fan also of quantity, um, which isn't most people's uh, on their top like 10 list of important things. But uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of quantity. And I've seen many of your paintings and um, and your drawings uh, and your art. And I think it's so cool. Um, do you Thank want you. to uh, introduce yourself to the podcast people? Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I go by Eel Eye. And uh, yeah, I'm a painter. <laughs> That's so uh, cool. I was uh, born in the Antelope Valley, um, Lancaster, California. I uh, lived in Southern California most of my life and uh, moved up here to uh, Southern Oregon about 15 years ago to okay. uh, be with my significant other. Yay. And I've been drawing and painting as long as I can possibly remember. That's so cool. Um, I just spent uh, some time in Oregon. Um, uh, I spent like a week in bellingham but then around there i spent a few days uh going down into oregon back up yeah, have a friend who lives in bellingham oh my god i think i want to move there it's like you could not find you, you can't you can't set your eyes without finding some water and i love water i think it's so cool and i love uh ferns i would didn't know that um that there's ferns other places aside from like rainforests it's just insane to me there's ferns everywhere um it's like one of the most beautiful places i've ever been um yeah i heard if it's a great music town too yeah unfortunately we did not play this time we have played there before it definitely is fun and gets super rowdy um but yeah, we I stayed on a lake there and before the lake, there was like a creek. And before that was just water again. And I don't know if it's uh, I guess we can talk about it. But coming from um, Southern California, uh, I don't know if that's why I would just think water is so exotic or if I'm just um, 
that's what type of bitch I, I don't if I'm a lake host, I don't know what it is, but I feel very well, like, the ocean mysterious and full of life. And, yeah, so it is it, so unexplored. It's like outer space, but here on the planet. So, <laughs> yeah, it is so weird to me. I love like all of their all I used to be obsessed when I was a kid with like marine animal like adaptations. I just I didn't ever even think about the fact that other animals like evolve or adapt. I was just obsessed with um, maybe obsessed with how they did it. And maybe I should have spent more time figuring out how we adapt and how we evolve because uh, I'm just figuring all that out now. Like that we're, you know, these beings that like, um, like anxiety or whatever it is, that's, it's actually for us to realize stuff, not to like, hide in a closet for a week which is like what i'm trying to learn not to do but um but yeah so sorry so do you so i said i spent a lot of time in oregon um is this and oregon is so diverse the um the whatever it's called the uh what do you call the living uh the the environment is uh where i live is pretty rural cool Uh, but uh, there's um, there's a strange dynamic where um, uh, there's like uh, where where people live is pretty condensed. Yeah. And, and so and um, I'm not political, but uh, there's a lot of just like uh, like um, it's, I, it's hard I'm not, to explain, but like I, 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 I don't really go out much. I'm sort of a hermit. Yeah, and I me kind of keep to myself, and it's it's been really hard for me. I haven't really found any like like minded people where I live specifically in Southern Oregon. And okay, Southern Oregon. It's 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 really rural. It's just like uh, about an hour or so north of the California border. And, so- is there trees uh, there? Is it like massively tree-y? Oh, uh, it's not really a forest. Okay. Um, there, it, there are some bit nice trees, and uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of like uh, a farming going on. Okay, so there's like and, plains and stuff. Yeah, farmers and uh, crystal meth and cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's an odd combination so you'll, you'll see like like some of the best fashion out here like is maybe guys wearing like five different types of camouflage cool and yeah like orange hunter jackets and stuff and yeah and they'll be playing like country rap and Ooh. so you know yeah. that, that's so bizarre to me that i don't know i that's Well, yeah, no, I get it. I think we stopped our last rest stop in Oregon probably was around where you probably within an hour of California. And we saw our first buffalo of the whole tour, which it took like 40 days to see a buffalo. We saw buffalo kicking it with cows and horses and a pony and a peacock and an emu. And I have never seen all of those guys just all together hanging out and ducks. Um, usually they're separated. So I think that there's a lot to be said there about Oregon itself. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> to me, the most amazing uh, wildlife that I like to watch are the golden eagles. Ooh, 
cool. They're beautiful and wonderful. And uh, I don't know, that warms my heart when I see them. Um, There's a lot of deer. And so, like I said, like there's a, there's sort of the rural areas and then there's like the condensed popular populated areas. And so like, you won't be surprised if you see like deer at a stop stop sign. Yeah. Highway. And, but they're not scared or anything. And so you'll see deers and all kinds of crazy critters running around. Yeah. And I'm an animal lover, so that's great. And uh, yeah, that's so cool. I'm I love animals too. I think they're so cool. I love birds of prey. Um, and I dream like almost every night about finding hawk feathers. That's like uh I don't know, strange uh thing I wanted to yeah, remember. I think there's probably something connected to probably Native American mythology uh with the feathers, especially the eagle feathers is a, yeah, is a fantastic thing. Yeah. I found an eagle feather right before we left. I, I feel kind of bad about this, but, uh, I, before we, we left like three months ago to start tour and I was just like, I kind of was like, I've lost my intuition. Like I've, I've lost myself. I don't know anything. I'm lost, like all this stuff. And then I was like, go find yourself. And so I took my dog and we went on this like little drive and uh, we got to um, the top of this mountain near where I live. And there was just like this whole wing and this one feather like away from it. And I was like, oh, I think this is a hawk. And I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, my intuition worked. I found a feather. <laughs> uh, but then when I got home, I sent it to my friend that is an ornithologist and she was like, that's an eagle feather. And I was like, oh, shit, that's so cool. But that sucks because somebody, oh, there's my dog. Because uh, somebody, maybe a coyote <laughs> killed an eagle. What, Tommy, what do you want? Sorry, this happens from time to time. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> this is I'm Tommy. just saying hello. What's your dog's name? Tommy, she's seen your paintings. There's actually a picture with her and some of your paintings which i can send to you later but um oh that'd be awesome yeah Yeah. but so in all honesty i prefer the environment um that i grew up in okay uh, high desert uh compared to this uh um maybe because i spent more time there i think you know when you during your adolescence is when i think you have your most formative uh uh sort of memory imagery uh psychology is sort of defined you know uh uh, growing up and during your adolescence and so i have a very strong connection i'm sure you've seen it in my art uh yeah with uh with the high desert uh yeah what do you think it is about the high desert that um Obviously, you just like keep exploring in your mind. Oh, well, uh, it's it's very surreal in the the sense that um, there aren't too many places that have like Joshua trees. Yeah, it's very (laughs) rare. It's like a very um, special place where Joshua trees grow and my my affinity for Joshua trees, um, their ability, like they have such character, which is formed by, um, 
a very harsh environment and they all have, they're also very different and they all have so much character to them. And like I said, that character is brought on by years and years and years of just, you know, high winds, hot temperatures, uh, animals, all kinds of things. Um, like I kind of have a saying, uh, where, um, like for instance, Van Gogh used to say that um, every painter has a has a flower, and yeah. I don't have a flower. I have a Joshua tree. So That's the Joshua so cool. tree would be my flower in a sense. Um, yeah. So they're very unique and very special, and uh, and really connected to that specific environment, and uh, so. If, if I'm driving or, or watching television, because a lot of, you know, movies and TV are shot out in the desert uh, in that area. Every time I see a Joshua tree, it just kind of warms my heart. I'm like, oh, that's Aww, home. That's so and love, cool. And I love ravens. They're fantastic. I don't associate them with omens of death at all. Um, I think they're beautiful, wonderful creatures. They live like 50 years old. They keep Whoa. the same mate. Uh, their entire Aww. life, even if their mate dies, ma- they remain loyal. Uh, they're, sweet. they're just fantastic and they can, you know, grow to be like two feet tall. They're very territorial. So like if you live in a certain area, you can see the same raven and he might give you the same calls like every day. You can say hello to them. They're very intelligent and I, I, yeah, I don't really have that kind of death omen associated with ravens at all. Um, even when I was a, I was sort of unsupervised a lot when I was a kid. And I spent a lot of time in the desert, um, just under the stars and everything. And uh, the animals, I thought, were kind of like, they were, they were sort of like gods to me. Like, That's they so were cool. the ones that uh kind of kept an eye on everything and everybody and uh just kind of say hi and hello uh, and um like uh for example the painting above me i don't know yeah. how much detail you can see in there um but uh when i originally started that painting i kind of wanted to dedicate uh, some of it to my father and um, i associate my father with the coyote That's and cool. so um yeah, that coyote to me is symbolic of, of my father. Um, but I have to make a disclaimer. Like, okay. What, whatever, like, my feelings about my art or my comments about my paintings, I don't want to change what other people see and interpret right. and experience. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't want to give them get spoilers and, okay. and, ruin, and ruin their experience if they look at it and they feel a certain way it's totally valid you know so if i like i'm like oh well i was feeling this way and that represents this to me right that's interesting i it's still okay you know I'm yeah that's super not- interesting um when you after this will you send me um or email me or even send it on Instagram that uh, um, painting and a few others, just so I can put it up when we post about it, just so people can kind of get a yeah, idea absolutely. of um, what we're talking about. I, um, 
but yeah, you're, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're a fantastic painter, but aside from that, it's very unique. And, um, I don't even, it might not be, I honestly, am not a, I, I don't know that much about art, but, uh, so maybe, <laughs> maybe this is exactly normal, but, uh, it seems like you take, yeah, like the, you take inspiration from the desert, um, yeah. and just kind of the, the same thing I think of when I think of like, uh, water is just the mysteries, like what little subtle life there is and sort of exaggerating it think is the fun of the desert. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a great place for things to happen. Yeah. And, uh, where, where I lived and where I grew up is very mysterious and very strange Yeah. and, and very beautiful and very tragic at the same time where I live, there's a lot of um, um, aerospace and most people's families were involved in aerospace. Oh, okay. Um, for example, my father, uh, he worked for skunk works okay. and um, he used to be uh, in the eighties before Bob Lazar came out, they didn't call it area 51. So my dad would be, he, he worked on top secret projects for skunk works. So he would be flown out to Nevada. And so he would just say, okay, well, they're going to blindfold me and I'll be gone in Nevada for a while. Wow. And, and then so, but most people's families were involved in either, they were either involved with the, the Air Force Base, uh, the NASA facility, working on the space shuttle, uh, working for Lockheed, working on commercial aircraft. And so uh, I knew a lot of pilots. Um, I, I knew a lot of uh, NASA engineers. And so, you know, I, when I was a kid, the first thing I wanted to be was an astronaut, you know. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, uh, with that kind of stuff going on um, and a lot of secrecy. Right. And paranoia. Uh, right. Like, for example, like, like I told you, my, because of my dad's work, we were under surveillance. Wow. Constantly. Like, my dad would, like, set a penny down on the floor and say that, you know, oh, well, you know, uh, they can see the details on the head of this penny here. And wow. you knew that everyone knew that our phones were tapped. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, a friend in junior high. His father flew the B-1 bomber. It was like a swing-wing aircraft that would deploy nuclear weapons uh, anywhere in the world. And I thought it was ironic because he used to call me cynical. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're, you're going to deploy nuclear weapons to anywhere on the planet. Yeah. But I'm the cynical one. Okay. 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 And, and, uh, and when I was a kid, I, I, I developed an interest in UFOs on my own uh, and weird stuff like astral projection and things like that. But so the uh, belief of not being alone was something you just grew up with? Like your, um, your father spoke of that or? Uh, um, no, or we didn't. Implied it? No, we didn't talk about um ufos and aliens one time okay. i did ask and i said well what's what's all the secrecy about and he said well you know secrets can get you killed oh my and goodness so 
I knew that I really couldn't ask him too many questions right. about his job, but you definitely saw weird stuff out there. Um, was it, whether it was experimental aircraft or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there was a time uh, when I was taking a class in uh, community college. It was, just, it was just a class on public speaking. And so I, my, the theme of my uh, speech was about UFOs. And over 80% of the class came up to me afterwards to tell me their UFO stories. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, there was just a lot of people who have had experiences with UFOs out there. And um, it became part of the lore. Right. You know, just yeah. sort of the, that whole mystery. And also um, uh, another side of that, uh, not just like the crazy, you know, military industrial complex stuff was, you know, that Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa were from there. Yeah. And that excited me. Yeah. That got me going. And, <laughs> you know, and I thought that their, their music and their language was just sort of unique to that area, for example. But, I didn't know that anybody knew who Captain Beefheart was until I left uh, right. the Antelope Valley. I'm just like, okay, well, he's just a friend of my dad's best friend. And yeah, yeah. he's just a weird guy. <laughs> and, but, That's so uh, cool. and I didn't know, I didn't know if anybody would identify with uh, what uh, Beefheart was singing about or talking about, but it's such a strange town and a strange place that everything is surreal. You can't not have a surreal experience just going outside your front door or a Dada experience. Like if you go outside and a tumbleweed rolls by you and it's got like a page from a comic book stuck in it and a Coke can. Yeah. It's like, it's like moving sculpture. Yeah. That kind of goes by you. Uh, That's so, so cool. That's it's so filled with that. And why were you called a, a cynic? You were called a cynic? Oh, um, I, I had a, a sort of a strange sense of humor. So, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like a dark, or even a dark sense of humor. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, my friend's dad, he, 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 th he thought I was cynical because okay. I had a dark sense of humor. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up watching a lot of B movies and uh, horror movies and things yeah. like that. And I was always an oddball and a weirdo. Yeah. Um, good. And things like that. <laughs> so being called a cyn being called cynical, um, I don't know, to me, it was sort of a compliment. And like I said, yeah. it, to me, it was ironic because right. it's a guy who's like, I mean, I thought that, I mean, it, I mean, being a pilot of this plane is great, but, you know, deploying nuclear weapons is. No, totally. Dark. I guess I just <laughs> I'm just amazed always by, you know, what you're saying is like the way your formative years, how you grow up, what you're taught to believe in, what you're taught not to believe in, what's cool to believe in, what's not cool to believe in, how you figure that out on your own. I guess it's just uh, I'm just curious about that because it seems like um living out there yeah you must have seen even if it i mean i uh, 
I, I believe in everything, but even if it were just um, man-made, human-made things, that still is futuristic as fuck that oh, yeah. happening. So it's, it's no less exciting or terrifying or um, noteworthy. Um, and pardon me for asking this, but uh, did all of, all of those like uh, companies, were they out there? Um, because of the lack of population or why is that such a good area to be in? Um, well, uh, for the most part, uh, Edwards Air Force Base was a, uh, um, it started off as Miroc and that was where they, the Air Force tested their experimental aircraft. Okay. And um, so, uh that kind of expanded like i don't know there's a lot of rabbit holes here yeah okay, okay. <laughs> so this is what's fun about this place and, and yeah. sorry if i go off on tangents. no i i would love but, to know because i have no i but, i love this stuff but like you know if you're into these things you're gonna re- you know i'm sure you're gonna come come into contact with things like okay there's some relationship between the aerospace industry UFOs, uh, paperclip Nazis, and, you know, the intelligence groups, high strangeness, and just a whole slew of stuff that comes, that's connected to all these things. Yeah. And it's there, believe me. And uh, you can't escape it. Uh, And it's... And it's strange uh, and cool and mysterious. And uh, so, yeah, uh, how that place became primarily an aerospace area, that you had Miroc, which had the experimental planes. And then when the, the paperclip Nazis uh, What's that? got into okay. this space program, uh, the paper, Operation Paperclip is when, after World War II, we took Nazi scientists in to uh to work on our space and rocket program okay and like warner von braun for example um was head of the apollo program but he was also he also made the v2 rocket uh which uh he they used slaves um in, in nazi germany to make the v2 and um the v1 and during the Blitz, they would bomb London with these things. And he came over to the United States after the war and became head of the Apollo space program, uh, sending people to the moon. And he was kind of hailed as a hero, but people don't know that he was actually like an SS officer, Whoa. like bad guy, yeah, uh, who, who was the head of this thing. And um, so that's kind of a a dark side of that whole yeah. thing. And um, one thing that I find interesting is uh, the connection between uh, all these groups in the occult. Yeah. Uh, for example, Jack Parsons. Yeah. Uh, you familiar <laughs> with Jack Parsons? Yeah. Uh, he's sort of like, a, um, you know, he was a Crawleyite, a Thelemite. Yeah. And, uh, so he started, you know, uh, JPL, he co-founded JPL 
but he was the main guy. And, uh, you know, he was a huge, uh, Crawley, uh, follower. Yeah. And, uh, they found his ways to be a little bit radical, but what's ironic to me is, okay, well, he's radical because he's into the occult, but Nazis aren't. Right. Yeah. You know? so <laughs> yeah. That's kind of odd. Uh, but I did a, I did a painting uh, sort of inspired by uh, Jack Parsons, which I oh, called cool. the Aeon of Horus. And I use like the Stargate uh, version of uh, Horus. Do you watch, have you seen the sci-fi ch- uh, series Stargate with like, ancient no, aliens yeah 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 i know like what egyptian yeah. <laughs> i'm aliens. i'm into it i'll tell you that i think that that i'm i'm super into that <laughs> you know so yeah there's so there's so many mysteries uh, yeah. that revolve around all of it and no, not all of it's doom and gloom uh you know i i think i think life is a combination of things that are you know, highs and lows, uh, you know, um, things that are terrible and things that are wonderful, you know, that dynamic. Do do you mind if I ask, uh, about like, I just can't imagine the, um, immense pressure of all that was your dad. Um, I guess, can you talk like that job? Did it, stress him out enormously or was he into it did he you know can you talk about that a little bit if you don't mind um well i know some programs that he worked on uh i know that he worked on the u2 which was uh um so high flying reconnaissance aircraft became notorious when gary powers was shot down over russia uh he worked on the sr-71 blackbird which is you know the fastest flying uh, aircraft. Um, I think there's a new one now, but SR-72. Is he an uh, engineer? Or, I'm sorry. Uh, I... He would say he was a flight line mechanic. And if okay, you would ask cool. him what he did, would be like, I kicked the tires and checked the wires. And that's about as far as he'd go. Okay, cool. Uh, so he... And then later had... on, I know that he worked on the stealth projects and things like that. Okay. Uh, He never talked about uh, UFOs. He mentioned Bob Lazar once in passing. Okay. Um, And I kind of find the Bob Lazar story, um, there's a a dynamic that people don't really get into with Bob Lazar. Okay. Um, I don't know how many of your viewers are familiar with Bob Lazar. So should I like give him some sort of like... Yeah, maybe do that because I think there's a little bit of... Everyone has a little bit of everything, but yeah, give a little background. Yeah, so in the in the early '90s, it came out. Uh, he went on television, uh, interviewed by George Knapp uh, in Nevada, and claiming that uh, he worked at uh, a place at Area 51 called S4 near Groom Lake, which was separate than where the other programs were happening. And he claimed that he was working on reverse engineered alien vehicles and uh that was his story and it kind of put area 51 on the map and uh getting people talking about okay do we have recovered alien vehicles that are being reverse engineered and flown out in the nevada desert 
And so uh, uh, Area 51, that terminology became part of, you know, the ufology lore and uh, got people's imagination going. But what a lot of people don't know is, uh, see, see, in my opinion, if if the government if the government is going to do like a, a an operation, like a, a psychological operation or whatever, I'm not questioning whether or not Bob Lazar told the truth or not, uh, because there's he hasn't there's no proof in my mind that I mean it's just a story. It may or may not be true. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to say whether the guy's a liar or not. But what I can say is that I know for a fact what was going on with the uh, civilian workers at Area 51 is that they lived next to um, an area in which they burned all the toxic materials. Oh, wow. And they were dying and getting cancer. Yeah. And tons of, of, of employees who worked there, uh, hundreds of them, if not thousands, were dying. And they uh, were trying to sue, including my father. He got really sick and eventually died. Uh, um, They were trying to sue the government uh, for uh, the illegal handling of these toxic chemicals. And um, Bill Clinton came out and said, well, Area 51 doesn't exist. Sorry, you can't sue. So if that was like, let's say in the news, which is going to attract more attention, reverse engineering alien aircraft or civilians dying from working with toxic chemicals. So I think it was, I think it helped to distract from this other element that was happening. Yeah. uh, Going on. I'm never that smart to think um, that far that uh, of cover ups of, you know, like, what do you think of the um, stuff that has been? Sorry, the dog is being a nuisance. The new stuff that's being. Uh, the tic tac and all that. Yeah. Stuff. What do you think about that? Oh, um, is that a cat? I, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it's cool. It's exciting. Um, one thing that I think is ex- is great because whenever I've talked about disclosure, I thought, well, what are they going to really say that there's these things that we don't know yeah. are in the, in the skies. And that's about it. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but um, you know, like for example, one day I might think it's um, experimental aircraft, uh, I might think it's a group of aliens. Uh, then I might think it's a group of several aliens. And then I might think it's part of our collective unconscious. And then yeah. I might think it's part of, uh, you know, just some sort of uh, psychological operation. Or I could think it's a mass psychosis or all of it happening at the same time. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, so but that's the fun. That's why I like of- it. All of it's up for grabs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a mystery. Like to me, like that's what I say about my paintings. Like I don't want someone to like, you know, give me the answer, like, uh, or, or that to something that uh, 
like um i i like the mystery yeah I, and being I, I like i like where my mind goes i like being able to speculate i like it, it generates creativity yeah rather than oh it's this right and you're like oh well okay <laughs> yeah for sure how do you start a painting does it like where does from the beginning like the idea do you see it visually or do you uh, how do you how do you start a painting i'm just curious <laughs> uh, every day is different okay uh, um so you know i do different types of paintings i so i i don't like to limit myself by saying oh well i'm going to do this type of painting you know, I'm gonna do a surreal painting, so I'm a surrealist, and I gotta stick with that. Well, does it come to your mind, like, because I I draw and stuff, but I it just my hand does it, like it's not, um, I I can't see it until I do it. Um, yeah, so I'm so, just curious how other people do it. <laughs> so yeah, several things happen, and okay. uh, sometimes I will get a complete vision of a painting before I do it. Okay. And just the entire vision, all the elements there, everything going on, I'll just, it'll just pop into my brain and it'll be there. Um, where we're like, I don't know if you've seen a lot of my drawings, but yeah. that's all sort of automatic stuff. That's okay. just like, I put a piece of paper down and I just go until I feel like I'm done. Uh, and that happens, you know, just improvisation. Okay. Right on the spot. Not to say that there's not improvisation in the ones where I get like a complete vision. Right. Ahead of time, there are th changes and things that I'll make. But yeah, um, sometimes I'll get a complete vision of the whole thing. And oh, other cool. times it just starts with making a mark and or a mess. And <laughs> yeah, that's so uh, cool. Playing with it, you know. Do you do you have to set like times for yourself or do you do it every day or how does that work? Um, generally I will, I do it every day. Um, That's so cool. I, I do. Um, I like to keep a schedule for myself. It helps me mentally. Okay. To, uh, how wake do you up. do that? Yeah. Tell me what that's like. <laughs> well, giving myself a sense of identity, uh, like I, I struggle with a lot of uh, um, uh, mental health issues. Um, so uh, like, you know, to avoid depression and things like that, having a schedule and something planned for me to do kind of yeah. helps me with that. So, you know, I'll wake up, uh, have my coffee. I smoke a pipe and, you know, it's very contemplative. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not encouraging cool. others to do it. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I find it very uh, contemplative. It's almost a, a type of meditation. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, and then uh, I'll and then I'll get started. Uh, once I've started a painting, it becomes a giant magnet. Okay. Uh, like. I'm constantly thinking about it no matter what I'm doing. If I'm in the grocery store, yeah. I'm like, I'm like thinking about a certain area. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should do this or do that. And, uh, or I'm lying in bed about, you know, halfway asleep and I'm thinking, Oh, I need to change this one thing. 
and yeah. I'll get up and I'll do it. But mostly, yeah, I'll work several hours a day. Um, uh, I do have, uh, I do struggle with my back. Uh, so okay. sometimes I'll have to like say, okay, I got to stop, you know, or yeah. I'm going to hurt myself. But it's more a physical thing than, uh, than. Right, right. Anything. That's so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sorry to harass you about it. I'm just like, we no. just, when I don't, I have mental stuff and it's, um, uh, I think, yeah, a schedule I think would really improve my quality of life, but I'm just, um, always waiting for different waves of inspiration, which I think that a good lesson is to just do it and not, not, not wait, just put something in your paw, start, (laughs) just get started. I think overthinking can can be uh, problematic. Overthinking it, uh, second guessing, that kind of thing. You know, just you know, when you when you feel the need to do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, cool. That's I thank you for saying that. I'm. Yeah. But there just... are times where, like, okay, like I kind of have this routine where, uh, okay, I'll I'll start a painting, and then I'll finish it. And then for like two weeks, I'll be like, oh, I'm never going to have another good idea again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm never going to have another idea at all. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. This is the best painting that I'll ever do. And I'll never be able to do any better and be depressed and all that stuff. And two weeks later, I'm back to, you know, uh, fully invested and and moving forward so thank you for sharing that because it's like yeah when you see anyone that I don't know at least for me when I see any other artist I'm like how do you do that I have no idea you know it's just it's hard for me to look at the work that I do and think of it as um as uh quantifiable um, just because m- most of the stuff I do isn't physical. So it's just like, I don't know. Uh, you can't Not really physical. I've seen you on those videos rocking out. Are you well, kidding me? I mean, like I can't physically, it doesn't exist anywhere. You know what I mean? Like the, the, my favorite part of it is playing and that's not, I can't, I guess I could look at videos of myself, but I don't think I would do that. I just, I'm always just really into the idea of um, uh, like, physical art and just making something. And, um, cause what I do is, is it's limited to a certain amount of time. Um, and when I do stuff that doesn't have a time limit, I, I edit endlessly and I, I worry endlessly. And I, you know, like I, I, the art I do is a lot about, um, quantity. I will do like hundreds of clouds inside a cloud or something, something really like pointless you know but it's so i just yeah i just like talking to real I mean, you life are, you are crazy productive and <laughs> you produce a lot of material and extremely prolific you know oh. uh, but um for myself um what i what i i say sometimes is uh and i've read that other artists like even picasso after they've worked on a on a large piece or a large project they do suffer from exhaustion. I mean, because not only is it physical, but it's emotional. Yeah. And and a lot of times you're working with trauma as well. You're working on yourself and 
so it's emotional uh, uh, work and it's physical work. And uh, after you've, you're finished, uh, yeah, you can you can crash after that and just be like, oh man, I'm spent. Like you know, and you need a you yeah, and then it takes a while to get that uh, that energy back up. Yeah. What do you have any secrets or just for not secrets, but like um, things that you remind yourself when you're in the crashed out phase or do you just have to go through it? <laughs> but I've gone through it enough times to know that uh, most of the time I'll get another idea that that's my <laughs> yeah. pattern. Yeah. That that, that is my pattern. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'll takes me about two weeks and I'll have an idea. Yeah. Then once I finish the painting, then I go through this, you know, then I crash. I'll never have another good idea. And then about two weeks later, I'll have another one. Or sometimes I get in a longer rut and then I'll just like switch to some other media, you know, drawing or uh, collage or whatever uh, to just to kind of keep, something going it because there's a lot of days if i don't do anything i feel like i've wasted the yeah. day or wasted the time yeah um is that uh, something that you just invented for yourself or is that something you were brought up with like wasting time um, i mean it might just be a perfectly normal thing that everyone has i'm just curious i don't know <laughs> i've never thought about it that's the first time it was asked me. Uh, yeah, I guess that's probably just a thing I put on myself. That, yeah, I'm just wondering because this, know. yeah, this last record we made was the first time where I was like, I was just like, dude, your process, like your process is waiting till the last minute, worrying like crazy, being super, super stressed out and then not being able to do anything for a week. And I was like, that's just you may not like it, but that's what's about to happen. So now, like, if I just totally waste time, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like not I had to, like after, you know, 30 years get there. But it's like, yeah, it's like I don't really think if I don't do something and maybe that's my problem, too. But it's like I'm like you if you're not doing something, it's because you can't and you need to rest. Um, but I'm also the one over here. Like, how do I get more quantity? Tell me your secrets. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a very balanced person, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have another side to me that's like, you know, sometimes oh, this is the last penny I'm ever going to do. I never <laughs> want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm through with it. I'm never going to, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It doesn't work. You know, I'm going to quit being an artist. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, that doesn't. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, and like. Yeah. Yeah, I think like January 2020 or something. I was like, it's like this is the last record I'm going to make and then I'm never going to tour again. And then it's like two years later, I'm like, OK, uh, <laughs> I will tour. I will do everything again. I was wrong. Like, um, but yeah, I feel like that break really smacked me in the face back to reality. But I guess um, and also was is there a cat in the background or a kid? Yes, there is. Uh, um, I have an orange, uh, orange tabby. Aww. She's 17 years old. Oh, she's wow. very eccentric. Oh, here we go. Um, oh my goodness. Know. And, 
Her name is Bean. Oh my God. And Our she's friend. got a reputation for being mean. Really? But as she's gotten older, she's really <laughs> sweet now. She's... Like a year ago, she would never let me do this. Really? She'd be like hissing at me and smacking you know, all kinds of stuff. But Aww. she's kind of camera shy. She's beautiful. Did wow. you hear that? She's hot. A... Hi. Who's that? <laughs> That's the wife. <laughs> but I love it when she does zoomies and gets the howlies and things like that. Yeah. I used to have the cat. I used to have a cat that liked to paint with me. No I used way. To paint on the floor. Yeah. Uh, and he really liked. Um, he was a big fan of the Ramones. Oh, cool. And, <laughs> and so I would put the Ramones on, and he'd just, he'd get the zoomies, and I'd be painting on the floor, and he'd skid across the canvas, oh. and and that was really cool. And yeah, and we'd uh, we'd collaborate on some works together. That's awesome. Yeah, my dog likes Alice Cooper, but she does not like our music, which is funny. Um, <laughs> you, even just like the instrumental part, she's just like, ah. um. But well, I guess I I will um let you go here in a second. But is there anything uh you would like to tell the world of the of the entities that listen to this program? Leave them with um, a note. Uh, that um, a life is to be experienced, not explained, not to be uh, labeled. You know, cool. we we experience. You know, this world. It's it's not meant to be defined. And you know, like when people like ask like me like, what does my art mean? It's like, what does a tree mean? <laughs> yeah it, you know yeah. What I mean, you know what i'm saying it's like yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool well that's i'm glad that you said that that's really interesting because i i think i get really caught up on trying to figure out the meaning of stuff um and maybe just to avoid actually having to do anything i wonder i'm gonna think about what you just said for a while um thank you um, oh, and, well, thank you. I'm just honored to be here. It's yeah, for sure. Um, I will put all of your um, links up and stuff, but where do you like, where's your favorite place for people to find you? Uh, Instagram. Okay. Uh, that's uh, at uh, Eel Eye Art. Okay. And at, that's E E L E Y E. E Y. I was like, <laughs> I can't, I cannot remember how to spell. Um, well, yeah, like I got this name in high school and it's my, so band, cool. my bandmates and there's an artist named Man Ray and yeah. I like him. So my real name is Eli, but so I, I spell it like Eel I, E-E-L-E-Y-E. So, cool. so my Instagram, it's all lowercase at Eel I art all one word, all okay. lowercase E E L E Y E A R T. So that's my Instagram and my Facebook is the art of eel. I, yeah, uh, I follow you. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if you like, I don't know, put the, they call it the, the link in the bucket when people say stuff like that or whatever. Yeah. I'll put everything so, on this, uh, We'll we'll do a fake goodbye in one second, then I'll explain all the other shit you need to know. But um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming here. Um, oh, there's one thing I wanted to tell oh, you. Though. Yes, please. 
because uh, it, it's, a, it's kind of a synchronicity for me. Yes, and, I love And really exciting. So I was watching your video for Disaster is What We're After, right? Okay. And I was like blown away. I'm like, no way. Iggy Pop is doing a Warhol? Yeah. This is like so amazing. It's the coolest thing ever. And like, I, I was just listening to Funhouse. And I had, I'd never really been into the Stooges before. Yeah. And I was just really getting into the Stooges. And then I see this video. I'm like, oh, my. Oh, this is so crazy. Like Iggy is doing Warhol. Yeah. Because when I was young, I, I didn't, I wasn't really exposed to art museums and art galleries and things like that or whatever until um, like I was in a sophomore in high school and it was right after Andy Warhol died. Yeah. And, and a lot of people like they don't consider Andy a real artist, but to me, he's the greatest. Like cool. I, I, when I saw him, when I saw his work, like to me, he was like the ultimate punk rock artist. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and he, he was the one who inspired me to become like, like that I could become an artist. No way. That's so cool. And like, cause it was like, oh, you don't have to be like, you know, uh, you know, uh, a virtuoso in painting yeah. in order to, you know, uh, make art. And, you know, you can make something like the factory where you just have this like place where you can do music, movies, art or whatever. But yeah, Andy Warhol inspired me to like was I was like, I can be an artist. That's so cool. And I love Andy. I think he's great. And that you had Iggy do Andy is so awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. That's so cool that you said that, though, because like not the Velvet Underground as a band, but the concept of being like the hot shit art houses like house band is why i wanted to do this like i always wanted to be like the house band of somewhere cool and just be like the entertainers for the like fancy people so that's really cool i the the factory is definitely what got me into what i'm into also so that's awesome because yeah, before that i thought picasso ancient history i didn't know yeah. that anybody could be a real artist until andy came along and that's I, so yeah. cool that's awesome thank you for sharing that um and that's cool yeah i uh did you see that do you see that documentary stuff the um on the his diary yeah i think so the they just put it out that like series on netflix uh yeah i i actually read his diary when i was like 15 years old yeah and so it was kind of here interesting to um see it and they used like an ai to do his voice which is oh, kind of okay. strange because like you know he does a lot of his like gee whiz guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know hmm, oh well wow that's fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to like hear a robot do that is like is funny also you know yeah yeah that is funny i didn't think about that but there's a lot of insight to his personal life and things like that but um you know and you know, a lot of times you can't separate the artist from the art, uh, and especially with Andy. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Andy's great. Yeah, there's this uh, Edie Sedgwick book that um, I read as a teenager that blew my mind. It was just like, because I was just so far. I moved to New York because of that whole thing. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. When I was like uh, 17, 18, I moved to New York because of 
the factory and just the concept of thinking New York was like, you know, just being obsessed with the 60s, but that kind of 60s, not California 60s. I, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah that, def- but, definitely like New York had a harder edge to it. I think. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, I hope I get to meet you. Um, maybe when we're up in Oregon or uh, you should have a show down here. Um, yeah, working on it. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. But don't hang up, but just say goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.